Hello and welcome to WRI's Big Ideas Into Action podcast. I'm Nicholas Walton and today we're talking about food loss and waste. Just how important is it? Food loss and waste accounts for around 8% of global greenhouse gas emissions. We all get quite concerned about flying, but nobody gets very concerned about the greenhouse gas emissions of food waste. So what is to be done, not just by the farmers, the food companies and the shops, but by ordinary people like you and me? I don't think we can expect change in public policies unless there is a drive, a push, an energy coming from the consumer. So to start talking about food waste, let's start in my own kitchen. Open the fridge door and oh, down here there's a lot of carrots. I don't know how we're going to be able to use all of those up before they start going mouldy. A couple of them looking very grey and almost a bit ragged around the edges. We will try. There's also a handful of strawberries up here. My wife says she's going to make a milkshake for me later on, which is great. So that'll use those up. Earlier on, I found some old rice, which I'd put aside from an earlier meal. Had to throw that out. Over here, we've got a couple of packets of grapes. One of them absolutely fine. The other one, I think we just ignored. And now we're going to have to throw it out. That's not good. So the fading carrots, the leftover rice, the forgotten grapes. Food loss and waste is an environmental subject that touches all of our lives in one way or another. But this podcast is not just about wasted food. It's about the cost of that wasted food and about what we can do about it. That's where the World Resources Institute comes in. Projects like Champions 12.3 aimed at halving food loss and waste by 2030. Liz Goodwin is WRI's lead on the issue. So just how big a problem is this? So food waste is really an enormous problem and it's not something that's widely recognised. It's estimated that around a third of the food that we produce is either lost or wasted between the time when it's produced and reaching us as consumers, which is an astonishing amount and an astonishing waste of resources. We've worked out that it costs the global economy nearly a trillion dollars every single year. Food loss and waste accounts for around 8% of global greenhouse gas emissions. That's about six times the amount of greenhouse gas emissions associated with aviation. We all get quite concerned about flying, but nobody gets very concerned about the greenhouse gas emissions of food waste. It actually accounts for a quarter of all the water used in agriculture. And when you think that agriculture is one of our major uses of water, and we've got countries with scarcity of water and drought situations, it's appalling that we are then wasting that, that water that was used to grow crops. It's a massive source of biodiversity lost and deforestation. Food is such an important part of all our lives, and yet we don't seem to be taking the necessary care over, over the system that's used to produce it. With this amount of food being lost before it hits the table and gets eaten, whenabouts is that actually happening? Is it in the agricultural supply chain? Is it when it gets to markets and supermarkets? Is it when people buy it, take it home, fail to use things in the most efficient way? We all waste food. Um, so food is wasted at all places, all parts of the supply chain, but it varies from country to country. So, for example, in the UK, the biggest issue is us as householders. 70% of the food waste that's generated in the UK comes from our households. So that's not the hospitality sector and it's not the retailers, it's us as consumers in our homes. The other 30% comes from hospitality, retail and the supply chain. But then there will be other countries where the biggest issues are all in the supply chain. The lack of infrastructure to store food properly, to distribute it properly, means that an awful lot of food just doesn't survive from the farm until it reaches the market. 
Has there been any impact from the COVID crisis, perhaps in disruptions to supply chains? Yes, it, it, COVID really did highlight a big issue that we had sort of parallel supply chains, one reaching the, the retailers and then us as householders buying that food, and the other reaching the hospitality sector. And sadly, when the hospitality sector collapsed, the supply chains were just not able to adapt quickly enough. They did, in the end, start to adapt. But we had some horrible pictures of milk being poured away because the end market had just suddenly disappeared. And then, <laughs> bizarrely, you know, people going shopping and not being able to buy enough milk from the supermarket. So it did, it did have some effects on, on the supply chains. It also had some very interesting effects on us as householders. Certainly in the UK, we've got some quite clear evidence that the amount of food waste that was generated in UK households went down by around 34% during the lockdown. That is probably because we were all at home. We were able to plan our meals. We knew that everybody would be in for every meal because people weren't going out and doing things. So you were able to estimate how much food to cook. And also we were trying to go shopping less often. So we were planning, we were writing shopping lists and we were trying to make sure that we made the best use of the food. We started to value our food more. So all those things together helped to reduce food waste. Sadly, as we came out of lockdown, we saw the levels drifting up again. It's a behaviour we can learn, but we soon forget it again. But there are solutions to this, and your work is in finding those solutions, persuading people, persuading businesses, all those areas, those pinch points where food is lost or wasted, that things can change for the better. Yes, absolutely. And the one of the things about food waste and food loss is that it's never down to a single problem. It's always a complex set of um, situations and behaviours that result in food waste. I mean, nobody would say that food waste is a good thing, but it happens because of all the other things that are going on around you. It's really important to try to understand what are the causes that are, are prevalent at any one point. So, for example, in the household, you know, what are the pressures that are, are on families in terms of their ability to plan, to estimate what food to, to buy, to understand date labels, to make sure that they're providing a healthy, sustainable diet for their families? All those sorts of pressures that they're under all the time. And then in the supply chain, you know, is there the right level of transparency, the right level of communication and collaboration up and down the supply chain? I strongly believe that a lot of the supply chain issues can be addressed by better collaboration and communication and better transparency of information going up and down the supply chains. It's been quite interesting doing a lot of work with um, some of the retailers as part of the Champions 12.3 work where we've had this very simple strategy of target to measure act. And you set the target to set the ambition, you measure, so you really understand where in the supply chain the problems are occurring. And then you can focus your efforts on hotspots to address those problems. And sometimes it's because you've got somebody at one point in the supply chain making a decision which has an impact somewhere else in the supply chain. They have absolutely no idea they've had that impact. But if you improve the communication, you can actually come up with solutions that are optimal up and down the supply chain. Just quickly, what's your favourite tip, Liz? Piece of advice, something that ordinary people can use to waste far less food? I have a little mantra, which is buy what you need and use what you buy. It's quite tempting to think all oh, those look nice in the supermarket, but have you actually got the capacity to use them in time? Or if you if you think you could freeze something, for example, make use of your freezer. There are some there are some simple ways of making your food last longer and go further.
Liz Goodwin, and we'll hear more from her later. First, let's look a bit more at how people can be helped to reduce their own food waste. Samen tegen voedselverspilling is een ecosysteem van bedrijven en publieke organisaties met een gezamenlijk doel. Samen zorgen we dat This is the sound of a Dutch campaign against food waste. The voice you heard was that of Twan Timmermans of Wageningen University. His approach to the problem is to look at how to change people's behavior. It started with getting people more aware about the topic. And after a certain level of awareness, and annually we do, we, let's say, the benchmarking on how well people are aware of the topic, we see that 90% of consumers is aware of the topic and wants to do something to prevent it. If you are at a certain stage, we found, and it's backed by research, if you focus on the positive norm, people are much more tended to change their not only attitude, but also their behavior. Changing from behavior to attitude to social norm awareness raising to real interventions, that added to the real big impact of reducing food waste with, with 14, 14 kilograms per person per year. And that was also focused with making it more specified to, to target groups and working with influencers, role models, because we found clearly that people tend to reduce their habits more easily if it is done something within their own environment, so within their bubbles. People tend to look more like, what is my neighbor doing? What is my colleague doing? Then comparing with the average consumers. That element, adding to that, including the positive, that really made a big difference. The countries that you've been looking at specifically, like Hungary, Spain, Netherlands and Germany, that they have different norms about food. And this is an important part of how you actually deal with the behavior change that you want connected to food waste. Yes, and that's of course true because food food is very culturally related and it is very, a very essential element of, of, of daily, daily life. And you see the drivers for change for consumers to waste less food are different across across Europe and, and also wider if you, if you look globally. We see that drivers can be the value, the money related to it. It can be social, like the food could have been eaten by someone else who needed it more than I do. And, of course, the sustainability element, preventing climate change, for example. We see these elements can all be incorporated in a social norm campaigning uh, and addressing specific elements of it, because there's always a link to be made to something that a person, an individual or a family finds relevant and important to change. There's actually quite a clear delineation in geographically across Europe. You were saying that Eastern Europe, you have much more emphasis on value. So the social element of, of food is much more valuable in the southern countries, such as Spain. This is quite interesting stuff. So every individual wastes the value of 120 euros per year. That is not a big driver for change. Sustainability for a part of, of, of consumers, so in, in the bubbles, that would be the people that really change their behavior because of the sustainability and the link to climate change. But we saw that underlying, also in the Netherlands, the social element is always important. And if you can connect own behavior change to getting that food to people that need it, that's a very strong element of a campaign. And we tested it out, working with hundreds of organizations together to test out new practices and interventions. We see that that element, if you connect food waste and your own behavior with getting food to people that need it, that's a very strong element of an effective uh, intervention. 
this focus on behavior, uh, there's various elements to that. You've got the planning of what you're going to eat, the going out and buying in supermarkets, grocery markets, etc. And then you have the cooking and preparation. And, and there's food waste at all of these points. How much does it change through those through those areas? How does your messaging change in those different areas? We focus on three different areas linked to the household practices. That's the ability, the motivation and the opportunity. And the ability is typically also, are you able to do good planning? Do you have access to good quality of of food? And do you know how to treat the products well? Uh, Motivation is a lot more about attitudes, the social norm, competing goals. Because what we also see that families with young children, they tend to waste the most. And that is not because they're happily to do so, but competing goals are so important there. People are so busy with it. And opportunity is also a very important element. So unforeseen events, portion size, that's also a very important element of this household practices that you can change and, and do interventions on. When you're in the shops, one of the first things that my wife and I always check when we're buying food is the date that it says things need to be used by. But sometimes when you get things home, it doesn't seem to be a very good guide to when you should actually eat it. Uh, You know, you can sniff some milk well after it's gone past that date, and yet it still seems to be okay. Is there something that can be done around that? Yes. And that's, of course, what you see uh, as as an element in in most of the campaigns across the globe on, on food waste reduction, is to get more the yeah awareness on understanding what the date label means. And I think the legislation in Europe is quite clear. There's three labels, no label if not needed for unprocessed uh, fruits and vegetables, for example, a best before date that tells something about the quality and the use by date. That is for sure you should use it by that date because there might be a potential risk for your health related to that. But only about 50% of, of consumers understand the difference between those, those different dates. So getting that message across is, is crucial also in our approach. It's not difficult. You can teach a, a seven, eight-year-old the difference between those. Uh, one final question, Tom, and that is a lot of the work that you're doing is based in the Netherlands and it's based in other relatively rich countries in Europe. Do you feel as though some of the behavior changes that you're examining are ones that could be relevant across the world in in different cultures and different economic situations. Yes, and we know there is new work coming out from also UN organizations uh, about the level of food waste in uh, growing metropoles. And there is a tendency that if people get more, more disconnected from where their food is coming from, also in metropoles, there will be higher level of food waste. And that will be a new norm. So we have to learn from what we have done wrong wrong in, in, in Europe and make sure that we leverage the solutions and prevent that these countries will make the same mistakes as we did. Because food losses has not been resolved yet in those countries. So there's a high level of food losses at the, at the early part of the supply chain. And food waste levels are increasing very rapidly. So I call this a double burden that could happen with, of course, immense impacts on uh, the the uh, effectiveness and the efficiency of supply chains in, in uh, the, the developing countries. If food waste levels are getting up to a level higher and compared maybe to the US, because we also know that US is relatively inefficient and has high levels of food waste. So we don't want that to happen in emerging countries. Uh, because with them we need so much more land to produce all the foods that we don't need. Uh, so we need to think systemically. We need to think of like what are the solutions that we know that work 
and of course we have to get them across Europe also and, and de uh, developed countries, but see how we can embed them in the culture, embed them in the way that the food systems are being set up in, and, and, and further evolve in the emerging countries. Twan Tinnemans. You're listening to WRI's Big Ideas Into Action podcast. So we've heard how important the food waste problem is and heard how behaviour change is being harnessed to reduce it here in Europe. But what of other parts of the world? To find out, I spoke to Yolanda Kakabadze. She's a former Ecuadorian Minister for the Environment and also a former president of WWF International. How is food waste viewed as an issue in Latin America? I feel that the most important vacuum at the moment is information. And I say this because people around me don't have a clear idea or any idea about what food waste and loss is. And the moment you mention it, they become aware of something that is threatening their own lives, that is a serious business, that they need to do something, and they are ready to act. So I feel that lack of information and awareness about what's going on and the implications of food loss and waste is the most serious gap at the moment. And has that changed over the last decade, let alone the last year when we've had COVID to worry about? I would say it has begun to change in the last maybe three, four years. And this year it has become an issue, but not in every country. I feel that, for example, Chile, Colombia, Costa Rica is seriously working on, on food loss and waste, communicating, spreading information and doing something to reverse the trends. But the COVID year, what has done is to bring up to the surface the importance of family farming and the small farmer that is just outside the urban areas we were not aware of them until COVID started and everybody had to stay at home. And these small family farmers and, and small farmers have begun to come to your home, to reach out to the consumer, offering several products that you normally find in the supermarket, but people didn't want to go into the supermarket. We have a new chain of food that is very valuable, important, because they are not selling the beautiful packages of food that you find in the supermarket. They bring it down to your home from their fields. And that has changed the minds of um, the importance of those farmers, not necessarily the importance of reducing waste and, and loss. So that's changed the way that the consumers think about the type of food they're getting, as well as changed the way that these farmers are able to get things to consumers. Am I right in understanding that? Absolutely, you are right. But that is the basis for several programs of information and, and capacity building and awareness. This process it makes it easier for those of us who are dedicated to bring awareness about the issue of, of food loss and waste to society. The consumer immediately relates it to what has happened during the COVID year and is still happening these months. Do you think that this, um, that this particular change that you're talking about, do you think that will endure after the COVID crisis subsides? Not necessarily, unless we start strengthening and investing much more in uh, public awareness. 
And I feel that we need to work much more with young people. Uh, youth in general have a passion about it the moment they understand the problem. And they have started working with colleagues, peers, with their families, with society, reaching out to the producers, claiming for change. That is important. But I also think that women are more sensitive to these issues and they involve their children, they involve the rest of the family, the neighbors, and anybody else. Even when they go to the market, they start putting forward some issues that the, the producer should be aware of. And that's the beginning of change. I don't think we can expect, for example, change in uh, public policies unless there is a, a drive, a push, an energy coming from the consumer. How much of the food waste and, and loss problem in Latin America is before the food actually reaches the consumer? It, it's in the supply chain, it's in the producers, and it's getting it to market uh, compared to how much is, is you know, something that, that consumers can deal with. Food loss in the field is much larger than in the North. Uh, Latin America, as well as other southern continents, do not uh, have at the moment all the technology that is needed to ensure that we are harvesting all the food from the fields and transporting everything and uh, getting it into the cold chain. What is surprising, though, is that at the consumer end, North and South are equally bad. We, are, we have developed uh, several practices in, in uh, South and North that are absolutely unacceptable when you think about how much is wasted at the table, in the supermarket, in, in uh, the whole chain of uh, service, the service sectors, hotels, um, restaurants, boats, all of those are North and South and equally bad. I was wondering that, that there's various different ways in which food waste and loss can be addressed. One of them, of course, is consumers just becoming much more aware of what they need to do, where they can get rid of waste, being a little bit more efficient with what they're buying. Uh, and then, of course, producers, even supermarkets, markets, farmers can be much more aware of the bottom line and how this actually affects the money that they're getting. And then, of course, you've got governments who appreciate it on a different level, maybe as a carbon level in terms of uh, food security, national food security, and they might be able to introduce certain bits of legislation. Where do you think the problem uh, will be best addressed in Latin America? I feel that in this continent, maybe the major threat is the destruction of natural ecosystems to turn them into agricultural areas. Agricultural expansion is absolutely unnecessary all over the world, not only in, in this region. But the problem, of course, in Latin America is that we have so many natural ecosystems and forests that are being destroyed for this expansion of agriculture that that turns in itself a vicious circle of uh, climate change impact, biodiversity impact, impact on rivers and water. So addressing that part of the, the problem, I think, is absolutely needed and important in Latin America. And of course, difficult. It's not an easy challenge because the producer is interested in volumes, how much they can take to the market. 
not so much in how much the market is addressing or selling or the consumer using that food. So um, having the producer understand the impact in the planet of their actions is a difficult challenge. Fortunately, we have some leaders around the world who are doing it and they are spreading the word and they are demonstrating that changes can be made without impacting the economy of any of the sectors that are related to food production and consumption. In terms of political will, are governments showing that they are fully behind efforts to reduce food waste? Not necessarily. Unfortunately, Latin American society is blessed by so many resources that we never feel the need of um, cutting down on consumption because it has an impact on soil or climate or water. So in addressing these problems with governments, they feel they have other priorities. Not all of them, of course, but I would say the majority of governments are not addressing this serious problem as they should. Yolanda Kakabadza. Finally, back to Liz Goodwin of WRI. To end this podcast, I asked her to explain how the food waste issue fed into some of the other major environmental challenges of our time. Well, I think one of the big problems that the world is is facing, um, you know, there's the whole climate change and the climate emergency, obviously, but we also need to have a sustainable food system. Um, we need to be able to feed the growing population if we do get to 10 billion population in 2050. We need to have a way of feeding that population with a healthy, sustainable, nutritious diet. There are too many people at the moment who don't have the right nutritional diet and we are also damaging the, the environment. We can't keep expanding our use of land. The estimates of the amount of increased land we need to use and the climate change targets we've got to address, all the analysis suggests that we have to tackle food loss and waste as part of achieving those goals because we will not stop biodiversity loss. We will not stop expansion of land. We will not stop deforestation and we won't achieve uh, the Paris climate change targets without tackling food loss and waste. So it's really important. But food loss and waste is also part of a complex food system. Um, so you're constantly going to balance all the different drivers and priorities around making sure that people have a sustainable diet, thinking about the levels of meat that people are eating, as well as the amounts of food loss and waste and the carbon impacts of those particular types of food loss and waste. It feels to me like something very tangible that people can feel in control of. If you care about health, biodiversity loss, land use, all the way through to reducing your individual carbon footprint, it feels like it's a very tangible lever that you can pull individually and say, right, I'm having an impact. I completely agree. I mean, people think that climate change is something I can't control it. It's, it's, you know, it's much too big. We need governments and businesses to do something about it. We each individually can reduce food waste. And that will make a big difference. Um, we can e equally help to make sure that our families get a nutritious diet. So we can actually make a big difference. And just by way of example, the UK has made a huge difference in the last 15 years since we've been working on food waste in the UK. We've actually got um, more than halfway towards the sustainable development goal of halving food waste by 2030. And um, so we've seen a reduction of around 27% in food waste in the UK. And that's been through a whole combination of things, through 
increased awareness, people getting better at planning their meals, using all the food that they buy and using their freezers, understanding date labels, as well as the retailers and the brands helping us to actually waste less food. So looking at portion sizes, looking at pack sizes, providing packs that you can use the amount for one person and then you can seal it, reseal it for the leftovers. So all sorts of things coming together, but it's all about a collaborative effort. But we each have a role to play and we can each make a difference. Do you see other countries in other parts of the world being able to make the same difference as a country like Britain? I remember reading about the inefficiencies of the complex food supply chain in India, where much was lost to the heat and rain, bad storage, pests like rodents. Do you feel as though less wealthy countries will find a way to make similar savings to a place like Britain? Yes, definitely. Um, I mean, every every country has its own challenges and its own problems to address. But just taking some of the more complicated situations if you had concerted efforts on particular materials you know sort of take this the rice rice supply chain as as one example and we actually came up with solutions and implemented them all the way down supply chains that would make a huge difference i think you can look at the problem through a number of different lenses you can look at it through a supply chain lens through a country lens if you get those two approaches working together you can actually make a difference Liz Goodwin, ending this WRI Big Ideas Into Action podcast on food loss and waste. If you're interested in finding out more, go to the food programme part of our website, wri.org, or champions123.org. Also take a look at our recent major report on how the world can feed 10 billion people by 2050 without destroying the planet. You can also find plenty more podcasts on our website, or simply subscribe. I'm Nicholas Walton. Thanks for listening. 